0: Like the biblical pharaoh, fossil fuel companies have hardened their hearts. Our fossil fuel pharaohs have been enabled for far too long by Wells Fargo, by Citibank, by Chase Bank and BlackRock.
1: In the spring of 2022, Jews gathered around the country to blow the shofar. The shofar is a ram's horn blown in Jewish ritual to symbolically wake up the community. But this particular group of Jews weren't gathering at a synagogue to pray, they were congregating outside of banks, like Wells Fargo and Citibank, and calling on them to divest from fossil fuels. The event was staged shortly before the Jewish holiday of Passover. In the biblical Exodus story, the Egyptian pharaoh had enslaved the Hebrew people. God sent plagues to punish the pharaoh, and the pharaoh eventually relented and sent the Hebrews away in a mass exodus from Egypt. This story is commemorated with a ritual Passover meal that marks the urgency of the Jewish crisis and their escape from Egypt. This unique Passover event in 2022 responded to a different kind of crisis. It was organized by Rabbi Jenny Rosen, the executive director of an organization called Dayenu, a Jewish call to climate action.
0: This Passover campaign is called All Our Might, which comes from a foundational Jewish prayer, the Via Hafta, which is about love. Uh, We launched the All Our Might campaign during Passover, and more than a thousand Jews and allies gathered at 21 events across the country, calling on banks and asset managers to move their dough out of fossil fuels, which was a pun also on matzah. So we publicly proclaimed today's fossil fuel plagues, the plagues being central to the Exodus story, lifting up matzah as a symbol of urgency and calling on these financial institutions to end their investment in gas, oil, and coal to create a world where everyone can thrive.
1: Welcome to Illuminations, a limited series from Ministry of Ideas about the complex and captivating relationship of religion and science. In this episode, we look at how religious traditions help communities process climate science. Scientific inquiry gives us vital data on how our world is changing. But that data alone doesn't always change our hearts or our behavior. In fact, data can simply paralyze or overwhelm us. Spiritual leaders like Rabbi Jenny Rosen are deploying religious rituals to respond to climate change with honesty, resilience, and action. Jenny Rosen founded the Jewish climate activist organization Dayenu to support the Jewish community both in spiritually adapting to climate change and in taking action to mitigate its impacts. Being a rabbi means that adapting to change is foundational for Rosen. The very concept of a rabbi represents a Jewish adaptation to the destruction of an old world. The ancient Jewish tradition was based in one central temple in Jerusalem. Jews from across the biblical land of Israel would make pilgrimages to the temple to give offerings and visit the high priests. Priests were responsible for holding Jewish knowledge and disseminating it as needed to the people. When the Roman Empire colonized Jerusalem in the first century BCE, the Romans destroyed the temple. The destruction of the central Jewish temple meant the end of most existing Jewish traditions. In fact, most Jews joined the Roman pagan traditions dominant at the time and eventually assimilated into Christianity. However, a small sect of those ancient Jews took a different path. Spread across the Roman Empire, they developed a local form of Judaism. Rather than priests, they had rabbis who learned Jewish knowledge and law and who helped the Jewish people develop a set of scriptures that they could carry with them wherever they went. What destroyed Temple Judaism also created Rabbinic Judaism because the Jewish people had the will and ingenuity to adapt to radical change. So too, when the Jewish world was decimated by the Spanish Inquisition or the ethnic genocide of the Holocaust, Jews both mourned those devastating losses and looked at the same time to build a new world. In this way, Jews today are well-equipped to look directly at the bleak, even apocalyptic realities of climate change and say, there is still room to affirm life. This rebuilding and revitalization that was necessitated by the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem has become a hallmark of Jewish identity and spirituality. Here's Rabbi Rosen again.
0: As Jews, we have faced... Existential crisis and disruption and destruction, many times throughout history. Each time, the Jewish community has not only survived, but we've had to envision and build a different future, a different kind of existence. I think about the story of the destruction of the ancient temple, which is really a story of radical transformation, which is what we need now, right? What we need now is not just about stopping something bad and averting the worst of climate disaster. It's also about building a different kind of future that is sustainable and just and livable. What comes after the temple destruction is really the story of rebuilding and rebuilding not the same structures, but ones that transformed Jewish civilization into a new era. And we can think of many other times through history when there's been profound reinvention. And I think we're in a time like that now And so I think the power of bringing the stories and history and practices that we've had in other times in history brings added power and brings added resource, kind of
1: deep resource to this. We get more data every day about the looming impacts of climate change. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, reports that at least 1 billion people will be at risk of losing their homes to storms supercharged by rising sea levels. We're already seeing those effects in the United States with floods in Texas, wildfires in California, extreme heat melting the roads in Oregon, and hurricanes sweeping through Florida. But actually confronting that reality, facing what it means for us, that's a taller order than just assessing the data. It's an overwhelming mental task to confront an extinction-level event. Climate change is changing everything. What we eat, how we travel, where we live, what we live in, our power, our industries, our water, our air, our bodies, every environment we inhabit. The destruction of the Central Temple for the Jewish people was an existential threat to Judaism. Climate change represents an existential threat to all of humanity. The irony is, the enormous scale of that threat, which seems like it should spur us to action, can be the very thing that holds us back. There's an Indian folk tale about three blind men each touching a different part of an elephant, an animal that none of them have ever felt before. The one touching the tail thinks the elephant is like a snake. The one touching the side thinks the elephant is a giant wall of flesh. And the one touching the ear thinks that the elephant is a type of fan None of them can visualize the whole elephant, but each argues comically that his own partial perspective is the right one. The philosopher Timothy Morton writes about overwhelming experiences, experiences and realities that are so much bigger than us that they are beyond our comprehension. He calls these hyperobjects. Like the three blind men, we barely know what we're touching when we encounter a hyperobject, and almost never do we recognize the part we really play in the overall picture. Climate change is a hyper object. It is so large and touches so many aspects of our lives that it's impossible to fully imagine or internalize the scale of the problem or what we could possibly do about it. This means the central problem around climate change isn't actually information. It's emotion. Rabbi Andy Kahn is a rabbi at Congregation Beth Elohim in Brooklyn, New York, an editor of Sacred Earth a recently published volume on Judaism and climate change.
2: One of the things that I was thinking while I was reading this book about this idea of only being able to see the effects and then kind of get an outline of what the object is, is the moment in the Torah when Moses says, God, I really want to see you. I want to understand you. I want to know you. And God says, okay, I will pass by you and put you in the cleft of a rock and put my hand over you. And as I pass by, you will be able to see what comes after me, but you will not be able to see me. And it is one of the best descriptions of a hyper object I can imagine. This idea that God is so big and so overwhelming and so all powerful and encompassing that even the greatest prophet in Jewish history, that was the only person in all of history that spoke to God face to face, still could not see God fully.
1: One mechanism by which people enter into a relationship with a divine being they cannot fully comprehend is through ritual. Ritual enables communities to process big and complex ideas like birth, death, and the divine in local and embodied ways. You could just receive your diploma or your marriage license in the mail, but the walk down the church aisle or across the academic stage crystallizes the meaning of this transition moment. It makes you realize how that event reflects and affects the larger trajectory of your life. Ritual also connects you to all the lives that have witnessed this moment before and those who will do so after we're gone. Ritual alleviates our anxiety, connects us to a community, situates us in the passage of time, and helps us pinpoint the precise time of important changes in our lives. In short, Ritual embodies big ideas and big feelings, so a community can process them and act on them. It works for relating to the divine, it works for relating to the infinite, and it works for relating to the enormous but often abstract threat of climate change. Here's Rabbi Rosen again.
0: I think that it is overwhelming to think about what will be, what will be for us, and what we're experiencing now and what will be for future generations. And one of the reasons that I think people actually are not more activated um, is that it's just overwhelming. It's so painful to face the truth of what's at stake. Um, It's so painful to realize that without really massive significant change, we're hurtling towards an uninhabitable planet. And I worry and Many of us worry about our children and grandchildren and future generations. Will there be enough food to eat? Will there be clean air to breathe and water to drink? Will major cities be underwater? And it's like, it's too much to take in, too much to, to absorb. So I, I don't think by and large, the issue is one of knowledge or awakening. I think the issue is what people do with that knowledge. And whether they feel this is too big, this is something that scientists take care of, this is something that technology is going to take care of, there's nothing I can do, or they don't know what a meaningful pathway to action is, or it's just too emotionally, spiritually, existentially overwhelming. And so people kind of numb out or turn away.
1: To combat climate change, it's undoubtedly essential to gather large-scale, high-quality scientific data about it. But if ordinary people are given only the data, it can have the reverse effect, apathy rather than action. Rabbi Rosen understands this problem, and she's identified a crucial part of the solution.
0: You know, you can't just metabolize head-on the science, because this isn't a this isn't an issue that you can confront from the neck up. Um this is about this is about everything. We need to acknowledge the emotions, we need to acknowledge the spiritual angst for some people who may not identify as being religious or spiritual per se it's still not just an intellectual issue it's something that people feel in their bodies and feel in their spirits and feel in their in their souls
1: climate change can provoke spiritual anxiety fear and even despair we need tools for naming and processing these emotional realities
0: this is not just a political issue it's also really an issue an issue of our soul I think that religious and spiritual resources are part of what can give us the space and the context to confront that painful truth, to not turn away, to open our eyes and our hearts and begin to metabolize what feels so overwhelming.
1: Science gives us data on the dangers we're facing. But metabolizing the data, taking it in, changing our lives in response to it, that may take more than science. Inspired by a long history of adaptation, many Jews have chosen to face climate change armed with Jewish ritual practices.
3: Al We take communal responsibility for the wrongs that we have done. For the wrong we have done before you by failing to hear within ourselves the sounds of the earth crying. For the wrong we have done before you through our short-sightedness. For the wrong we have done before you by allowing our sense of overwhelm to numb us into inaction. For the wrong we have done before you by forgetting how much we love life.
1: The holiday of Yom Kippur is the holiest day in the Jewish tradition. Yom Kippur is a day of atonement and reflection at the end of the Jewish year. Jews set aside 25 hours to fast and ask forgiveness. Central to the holiday is a recitation of a confessional prayer. It unfolds the community's sins over the past year. In recent years, some American Jewish leaders have been using the holiday as an opportunity to reflect on climate change and offer some form of atonement. Rabbi Malka Bina Klein is a spiritual leader and artist based in Pennsylvania. She was serving as the rabbi of a congregation in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when she developed her own version of the Yom Kippur prayer. Rather than focusing on traditional sins, like failing to respect elders or gossiping, Rabbi Bina Klein centered the community's collective confession of climate change.
3: So the al is about the accumulated individual sins that we all and our communal sins. And it's both the, what we have done as individuals and also as a, as a community. I just really love that we have this opportunity to stand up together and to name what we've done wrong.
1: One of the core emotional complexities of climate change is determining where responsibility lies. As citizens of highly industrialized and highly polluting countries, those of us in the West collectively contribute disproportionately to global climate change. However, individually, we have very little power to alter industries or policy. We feel pain and guilt over something we did help put wrong, but can do very little to put right. In producing a collective confession for the sins of climate change, Rabbi Bina Klein and Jewish leaders like her help individuals confront that often hidden sense of suffering and shame within a productive communal space.
3: One of the reasons I'm so drawn to Jewish practice is that it reminds me what it really means to be human. I feel that there's so much in American culture that does not acknowledge this very core piece of what it means to be human. Human beings make mistakes, they go astray, and then they own what they've done and come back to center. And there's so much in our American culture that, that the places where we don't tell the truth whether it's about slavery, whether it's about our role in burning massive amounts of fossil fuels and um, bringing humanity on the brink of catastrophe. It's not about how do you heal people and help people come into alignment. It's about something very different. And so what this idea of teshuva of turning, of realignment, that, that that's really core of what it means for me to be a, a religious being.
1: The Yom Kippur holiday and the Jewish concept of sin always include an opportunity for repair. Rabbi Bina Klein refers to this as teshuva, which she calls realignment. Rabbi Rosen organizes events through Dayanu that also channel this idea of realignment. A few months after the 2022 Passover action, Dainu led another event that also centered on the shofar. The instrument of the shofar is used particularly during the twin holidays of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This time, activists use the shofar to call on legislators to act in response to the climate crisis.
0: Dayinu had a campaign around Build Back Better called Hear the Call, and it was in the month of Elul, which is the Hebrew month. Leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, which then leads to Yom Kippur and the whole High Holiday season, and grassroots activists, Dineo activists in sixteen communities across the country, showed up on their sander's doorsteps with shofars. Shofars are the ram's horn that Jews blow on Rosh Hashanah, with very rich symbolism of awakening people and ourselves, and showed up on their sander's doorsteps blowing shofarot. Calling their senators to take courageous action on climate, so these, you can imagine people gathering with the powerful blasts of the shofar.:
1: In engaging with climate change through a Jewish prayer practice and holiday, Rabbi Bina Klein reminds those paralyzed by the overwhelming reality of climate change that there are time-tested ways of making atonement and building a new world in a moment of crisis and collapse.. Which side
2: are you on now?
1: Which side are you on? Which side are you on now? Which side are you on? We are here
0: to demand that Exxon stop giving millions of dollars to corporations and impacting our future. And we're here to demand that Biden help us pass urgent, bold Climate Act.
1: Rise,
3: we won't be divided. Rise, with spirits to guide us, rise.
0: Prayer. we find
3: ourselves
1: here in hope, in prayer. Religious technologies for coping with climate grief and trauma, acknowledging the realities of a changing climate, and activating communities to address climate change are already having an impact.
0: This Green New Deal calls for the US to take dramatic action to reduce the carbon emissions that are driving climate change, but which are also so intertwined in our everyday lives. And here's the good news. Something that is caused by humans can be solved by humans.
1: President Biden's infrastructure package, the Green New Deal resolution in the United States House of Representatives, Pope Francis's Laudato Si movement, even recent climate projections that show an opportunity for slowing global temperature increases are harbingers of hope. These are demonstrations of the impact of visionaries and world rebuilders, religious and otherwise, addressing their own climate grief, accompanying paralysis, and directly confronting the climate crisis as a community. This episode was produced by Leah Rechtman. Illuminations is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. We are supported by Harvard Divinity School and the John Templeton Foundation. Illuminations is produced by me, Zachary Davis, Leah Rechtman, Maria Devlin-McNair, and Nick Anderson. Script editing is by Galen Beebe. Sound design and music is by Steve LaRosa. And artwork is by Dan Pecci. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a collective of carefully crafted, idea-driven podcasts. I'd like to invite you to listen to a Hub & Spoke show called Print is Dead. Hosted by Patrick Mitchell, Print is Dead is a fascinating podcast all about the original influencers, magazines, which are very much not dead. Learn more and listen at longliveprint.co. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.